Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. great series. I hope that you guys have gotten something from it. Like I said, if not, um, go back onto the website. You can listen to past messages from, uh, from this series. Last week, we talked about um, a church that prays. A church that prays. We talked about the importance of prayer, why prayer is essential in the life of a believer. And, uh, and next week, we're actually starting a brand new series, and it's going to be called When Pigs Fly. And we're going to be talking about um, how God still works miracles in the earth today and how Christianity is so much more than just reading your Bible. And uh, last week I made this statement that I, I feel ca- God calling me as your guys' pastor to really build your faith, to help build your faith this summer. And so I really think this next series coming up is going to be a real faith-building series that we, we believe in a God that can do the impossible, But as we wrap up this month's series, let's look at our series verse in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can follow along on the screens behind me or you can find it in your message notes today, every scripture that we're going to be reading from. Matthew chapter 16 verse 18 says this, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. This is Jesus talking to Peter, and he gives us a great encouragement today that no matter how dark the world looks, no matter how dark the world gets, that there's not a power that stands against the church that's able to conquer it because we are standing on the foundation that Jesus laid when Peter said, you, Jesus, are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and on that profession of faith, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on this, and there's not going to be a thing that the world can do, that the devil can do to stand against it. You know, I can't tell you how many times on Sundays, and Cassie can attest to this, that I, that I just walk off and I leave my iPad sitting right here and just, I just leave it. I just leave it behind. Um, usually she'll, she'll pick it up for me because I'll forget and she'll pick it up for me and put it in my bag. But there's been some Sundays where like I walk off and I'm tripping. You say you tripping, Pastor. Um, there's some Sundays that I, that I walk off and I, I just leave it here behind. We've, I've got to come back later that night. I'm dead dog tired because I do a lot of work on it. And so I have to pick it up and I have to drive all the way back here and get it, open up the building because uh, I need it for the next week. I really think maybe you could, you could kind of identify me with a Disney princess if you guys would like to. Um, welcome to Summit View. If you really wanted to, you know, there's a, there's a story of a princess, a Disney princess, that, that leaves something behind, too. You probably have all heard the story of Cinderella, but if you haven't, I'll pray for you. Um, but really, uh, so what happens is, story short, she gets to finally go to this ball that she's been, you know, just dreaming of going to the ball. And she goes, but she only has until midnight, because when the clock strikes midnight, you know, she changes back to whatever. And so she's on her way rushing out to beat the clock out the door and she trips and she loses her shoe. And then the next day the prince really wants to know with who is that girl that I danced with 
all night last night. And, uh, and so he, take, he finds that shoe, and he takes that shoe all around the entire kingdom, trying to pair the shoe up to the right foot so that she can find out, he can find out who she was. Long story short, they used what she left behind to identify who she was. My question for you this morning, what is it that you're leaving behind and how will people be able to use that to tell who you were in this life? This morning we're gonna be talking about a church that lasts, a church that lasts. So many impactful people are in our history books because of what they left behind because of this word that we like to use called legacy, because of the legacy that they left behind, they're remembered for it. That's a, that's a word that we all want to leave behind, right, to our children, to our grandchildren, and maybe generations down the line, somebody would remember our name because we've left a legacy in this life. And your legacy is simply, simply your legacy is just what you have left behind after you're gone. After you're gone, what is left? That's that's your legacy. And the thing of, thing of it is that every one of us is going to leave a legacy of some sort. It's not up in the air. It's an absolute that you're going to leave a legacy. What you get determined to determine is, is your legacy going to be good or bad? Is your legacy going to be inspiring or inadequate? Is your legacy going to be helpful or is it going to be harmful? See, we idolize the people that have left behind this incredible legacy after they've passed on. They've, they impacted people. They created change in their world. They, they fill your history books. They fill your conversations. They fill your memories. But we all know people that have left a legacy behind that was less than desirable as well. Maybe it was the abusive alcoholic father. It was the, the teacher that just could care less. Um, the coach that didn't try to mentor you and just yelled at you all the time without trying to develop you as a, as a person. Whether it's good or bad, all of us have a legacy. We're destined to leave some kind of legacy behind. And you know, the same way that, that we leave a legacy behind the church is the same way. Every church, every local church is going to be uh, remembered for something. They're going to leave behind some kind of legacy. In, in the book of, of Revelation, very last book in your Bible, very easy to find, just flip to that, like that back cover and, it, and you're there. This book in, in Revelation, Jesus addresses seven different churches in, the, in, in different areas at the time. And every church except for one had some, some good things that Jesus said to them, but also got corrected pretty hard in some areas. So he's writing these, like, like this, this, this guy named John, he's, he's transcribing what he feels Jesus tell him to write down, and he's writing all these things out as letters to different churches in different areas. And so as John's writing it down, Jesus has given him all these things that, hey, Hey, you did well here, but this church, you need to work on this real bad. Or, or you've left your first love behind. Or you do all the deeds right. You've got it all right, but, but you've missed the main thing. And all these churches, six out of seven of these churches, they had something that Jesus corrected them very heavily on. But there was one church that Jesus addressed, and he didn't correct them at all. All he had was good things to say. And so this church, I believe that we should see how they lived. We should take 
this church that Jesus said, hey, well done. We should, if we want to be a church that lasts, we should take this and we should model from it this incredible legacy because we want to be a church that leaves behind a legacy, an incredible legacy as well. So if you guys will, um, let's flip to Revelation chapter 3. Chapter 3, starting in verse 7, says this. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, what didn't exist yet. This is a different Philadelphia in the Middle East. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia writes, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. This is Jesus uh, being transcribed. He says, I know your deeds, See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you've kept my word and you've not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. How would you like to be included in that group? Not me, synagogue of Satan. Jesus is rough sometimes, savage. We need to do a serious savage Jesus. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I've loved you. Since you've kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that's going to come. The whole world will test um, on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who's victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of the heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So this is a big, long passage. This is what you call prophetic scripture, meaning it is, it, when it was written, it's talking about things that were in the future that had not yet come to pass. And so Jesus is writing this um, as, as a prophetic word. Obviously, the new Jerusalem hasn't come to earth yet. Earth hasn't been restored, redefined, everything like that. That's coming on a day to come. We're not going to hang out there this morning that we could get into a whole lot of end time stuff. We're not going to do it. Um, maybe one day, but now. But we are going to talk about the, the traits and the characteristics that this church had that Jesus said was exemplary. And so how they interacted with people and how they interacted with God was something special that Jesus said that, that we should model after And so there's a few things that you can pull from their example this morning if you want to be a church that lasts, if we want to be a church that leaves a legacy. And I want you guys to remember this before we break into this, that the church is not a building. The church is a people. That means that you are the church. And so sometimes it's so easy to read all these things, and we're in this series about um, I will build my church, and it's so easy for us to distance ourselves from the passage, from the text, because we think of the church as an organization, thinking, well, yeah, when he's talking about the church, he's talking about Pastor Michael and some of the staff at the church. But no, the truth of the matter is each one of us makes up the church. And so when we read these passages, these scriptures, I don't want you to distance yourself from it. I want you to find yourself in it because each individual, if we want to be a church that lasts, a church that leaves a legacy, we have to be in individuals that last, individuals that leave legacies behind. And so as we're um, reading through these points today, I want you guys to really identify yourself in them. 
Number one, a church that lasts is one that, number one, positions themselves to make a difference. They position themselves to make a difference. A church that lasts is one that's intentional. They're intentional people. The most impactful people in my life are also the most intentional people that I know. Impactful people are intentional people. They do things on purpose. And so you have been positioned by God where you are for a reason. And it's up to you to capitalize on that in order to make a difference. God has put you where you are for a reason, but it's, he leaves some responsibility to you. So, so try to remember this. Try to remember this. You're, you're young, you're single, and you see somebody across that catches your eye. Well, if you're bold, what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to position yourself strategically, right, so that, that they see you. So maybe by the end of the night, they end up talking to you. You get to spend some time with them. You know what I'm saying? Was that just me? Was that the only thing? That was just what I did? You guys didn't do that? Okay. So what I did, position myself strategically so this pretty lady would happen to catch me out of the corner of her eye. And I'd be in a position that, that we would, might have a conversation by the end of the night, right? You're out, maybe, maybe you're out for a... Uh, a group dinner, and so you decide to sit on their half of the table, their end of the table, so that maybe by the end of the night, y'all might have some kind of conversation. You might talk itself out. You, when you're dating or when you're looking to date, you're strategically positioning yourself in that spot to try to catch their eye. You're, you're, you're very intentional about what you do. And as a church, we have a mission we want to reach people that are far from God. We want to lead them into relationships with God. We want, to, we want to serve the needs of our community. And we are God's people called to serve people. And so we should be positioning ourselves in order to make a difference. We should be positioning ourselves as individuals and as a church in order to make a difference in the lives of those people that are around us. And here is what I know that maybe you don't know yet. Maybe you haven't seen it yet in your life. Here's, here's what I know, that most of the time, you don't even have to change where you are. If you're looking to make a, a difference, make, an, make a, to an impact on someone else's life, you don't even necessarily have to change where you're at. You just have to recognize that there's opportunities that are all around you. You are probably right now positioned exactly where you need to be in order to make a difference in the life of someone around you, to make it an impact in the life of someone around you. You just have to recognize it. See, there are people in your life right now at this moment that need what you have to offer. There are people that need your relationship, that need your influence, whether it's a coworker, a, a friend of the family, um, a family member, a long lost friend, you have the opportunity to impact their life for good. And that is what God is calling you to do. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Watch this, this is the secret sauce which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God created us to do good things, but he also laid out the good things that we're supposed to do. It's not a guessing game. He's already, he's already made a path for you to walk. What you have to do is recognize it. The things that God has already prepared you to do, he's also positioned you to do it. See, God created you for a purpose, 
And he has placed you exactly where you are with the potential to make a difference. The potential, that's, the, that's a, a special word there. There's, you have the potential to make a difference. That means that some of the responsibility is on you and on me. Let me say it this way. Your potential is dependent upon your positioning. And if we truly believe that God put us where we're at for a reason, we're going to realize that the potential is endless. Last, lasting legacy, people recognize this. People that leave good things behind, they, they recognize this, that your legacy will be entirely dependent upon how you stewarded the relationships in your life. It's all about people. You know, I, I, you hear so many stories, and you hear all these stories about that people that, that they take their last breath, they're on their deathbed, and, they're, and they're, they have their, their last words, their famous last words. You know, I've never heard someone say, I, I wish I've just earned a few more dollars. I haven't ever, I've never heard that personally, but, but here's, what I, here's what I have heard a lot of. I wish I would have spent more time with the people that really mattered. I wish I would have spent the time that I had left a little more wisely. See, it's not about the things that we acquire it's about the relationships that we have. We, you can say like this, your life will not be remembered by everything that you've gathered in your lifetime, but by everything that you've given. It's not going to be everything that you can get. Your life is going to re be remembered by how much you have given to everybody else. A church that lasts is one that positions itself to make a difference. Number two, a church that lasts is one that lives for something greater, lives for something greater. You guys know what I mean? There, um, when I was, I was uh, the executive pastor at a church down in Florida, and we did this one series um, that we called it, uh, There Has to Be More. And that whole series was centered around this one point that, that people, and maybe you've done it, but people that I knew at the time had, had been looking around, they asked their, this question to themselves. They said, Maybe it's a statement. There has to be something more to life than this. There has to be something more than what I'm experiencing in this moment. And that's what we have to, to recognize, that there is something greater that we're called to live for. People that leave a legacy have found that something more to live for. There's a mission. There's a cause. There's a reason for their existence. Can I unashamedly make a pitch to you today? I'm going to throw it out there. You're in church. Guys, if you don't have a reason for living, Jesus is it. If you don't have a reason for, for existing here and you've looked around and you said, there's got to be something more. Guys, Jesus is it. There is no greater cause to live for than, than the cause to give others this hope and this life that we ourselves have found through Christ. There's nothing greater to live for. People that leave a lasting legacy have a mission that they're living for, but they stay focused on it. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25 says this. It says, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. They're focused. The proverb here, it's a, it's a, it's a statement of wisdom. Let your eyes be set forward. There's so many things that are going to try to pull you off path, but keep focused Keep your eyes stayed on the goal. Keep your eyes stayed on the mission. It's so easy to get distracted. 
It's so easy to get pulled off course by the events of life. Even uh, your loved ones sometimes who mean well, but they're, they're meant to try to pull you. They're meant to try to distract you from your purpose, from your mission. Sometimes you just got to be so narrow focused that it's almost... It seems mean to some people, but you say, I know what my life is created to do, and I can't deviate from what God has called me to do. There's so many things that, that try to pull you off track, but if you have your mission, you've got to stick to it with everything that you've got. You've got to continue to live for something that is greater than yourself. There's this, there was this guy way back when, I, I don't remember the, the time frame, his name was Abraham Maslow. It was way back when, and, and he set out to, to figure out what, what, the human, what human beings needed in order to be fully fulfilled in life. He, he set out, he was a psychologist, he analyzed people, and, and he wanted to figure out what is the peak human experience for people. And it's called, so to this day, they still teach this in psychology, and it's called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And so, and he lines it out. It's almost like the, it's almost like a pyramid, starting with um, the the most broad needs of humanity at the bottom, and the peak human experience at the top. And so, what he found was this: that every human needs physiological needs met, so like food, water, air. Then they need safety. They need to feel like they're in a place that they're, they're, they're comfortable, they're safe. And then every human being needs intimacy. They need friendships, relationships, love in their life. And then feelings of accomplishment. People want to feel like they've done something in life. But then you know what he found? At the very top of the pyramid, at the very top, the peak human existence was discovered when, when, when someone started to live for something greater than themselves. So it was called self-actualization. And it means when, when someone found a cause that they lived for that was bigger than them. That's the peak human experience that out of all his studies, this is what he found. That humans are the most fulfilled when they're serving a mission that requires more than themselves. So a mission that, that, that these people stopped thinking, what can I do for me? And they started thinking, how can I serve them? Guys, you'll never be more fulfilled in this life than when you are serving other people. And I'll push it even further than that. Uh, I'll tell you, you'll, you'll never be more fulfilled in this life than when you're serving other people in the name of Jesus. When you're serving other people with the cause of Christ. Meaning, you're accomplishing the mission of, that Jesus set before us to seek and save the lost. <clears throat> See, there's a group of people here at the church. They're called the crew. And, and I love highlighting the crew because, honestly, this church could go on without me. Somebody else could stand up here and preach. This church could not happen without the crew. And the crew have committed their Sundays that they, they say, you know what? I'm no longer going to come to Sunday and think, what can I get from the service today? But actually, they're going to they're gonna figure out how can I serve other people that are walking through those doors. They've committed their Sundays to live for something greater than themselves. And it's not just this church. They've committed their Sunday to live for the cause of Christ, for, the, for, for welcoming those people that you, they haven't been to church in over 20 years, and they come in. 
And maybe the, the crew is there to, to welcome them, to open the doors, to help them park their car, to smile at them, to wave, to find them some coffee and some donuts. <coughs> maybe they're back there loving on your baby right now. And you're like, thank God, because I was getting so tired of doing that. But the crew has made the decision to no longer live for what they can get from church, but they live now for what they can give. To no longer what, what they live for what they can get out of life, but instead how much they can invest into other people. Excuse me. Kentucky allergies, they are something. So if you're, if you're looking, you know, I talk about the crew, if you're looking for a way to join in some kind of mission that's bigger than yourself, I'm going to make it very easy for you, okay? We have created a pathway just for that reason. <clears throat> just for that reason. Not because we need more people to give out coffee and donuts on Sunday, that's not the reason that people serve here. People serve here because God has put a purpose in their heart, and that's the easiest way for, to fulfill it in the moment in time. Because I believe with everything in me that in order for you to truly discover your potential in life, in order to achieve, to achieve that peak human experience, you've got to serve a mission that is bigger than you. You've got to do it. You have a purpose in this life that is greater than yourself and you will finally start living this life of fulfillment that you've been searching for when you start living a life that reaches beyond yourself and starts serving those people that are around you. So if you're looking for this part that's missing, this, this fulfillment that's missing, here's what I'll challenge you with. Next Sunday, come to Pathway. It's at 1230. It lasts for two hours, and I think it's a great next step for you. I think, I, I think it's going to be a step into your journey, not only in fulfillment, but this journey of faith, this journey of life that you're on. I think, I think it's a great thing for you to do. A church that lasts is one that lives for something greater, has people that are committed to live for something greater. And then finally... Wrapping up, number three, a church that lasts is one that focuses on eternity. That focuses on eternity. There is existence beyond this life. And when we pass from this earth, the only things that are going to matter, how well did we love Jesus, the Son of God, and how well did we love the people around us? Only things that matter. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 through 4 says this. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Guys, when my eyes are set on heaven... When my eyes are set on eternity, I'm going to be looking for ways that I can make an eternal impact in someone's life. I'm going to be searching out ways to do it. Have you ever had something? 
that you were so excited about that you actively searched for ways to bring it up in conversation? Like maybe you put, a, you put that probe question out there like, hey, how's the job going? Because you couldn't wait to tell them that you just got a promotion. Have you ever had that something in your life that you're so excited for you just can't wait to bring it up in conversation? Christians, let me ask you a question. When's the last time you were like that about Jesus? When's the last time you were so excited about the hope and the life that Jesus gave to you that you couldn't wait to bring it up in conversation because that person's hurting, but you have the answer. As things come up in life, hurts happen, success happens, obstacles, open doors. But through all of these things, we have got to keep our sights set on heaven, our sights set on eternity. And not just for us, but for everyone around us. We can't let the things of life pull us away from the one thing that truly matters. In the book of James, it tells us that our life is a vapor, that it is here one moment and it's gone the next. That your existence on this earth in perspective of eternity is so small that our minds can't even rationalize it. Our minds can't even rationalize the length of time that you spend on this earth comparative to what you spend in eternity. Our brains aren't even wired to be able to process that kind of information. It's so short in comparison, but this time that we spend here is so significant. Not just for ourselves, but for everyone that's around us. Corinthians chapter 3 tells us that one day every single thing that we do in this life is going to be examined by God. And the things that we do in the foundation of Christ are going to be approved of and they're going to be rewarded by Him. But the things that we do solely for our own personal benefits and our personal gain apart from Jesus, it doesn't matter how good you think they might be, it doesn't matter your motive behind it if you're doing it for you it doesn't count in fact the Bible says that everything that we've done with motives other than the cause of Christ the spreading of the gospel the furtherance of the kingdom of God in this earth everything else that we do is going to be burned up by fire God's going to take a look at every, every deed that you've ever done in one day only, the only thing that, that are going to last, you, the only legacy that lasts into eternity is the legacy that is not lived for myself. And now listen to me. This isn't a salvation issue. This isn't a heaven or hell thing. This is a, how much is God going to reward you for how you lived in this life? Your eternity, your salvation is based on one thing, your faith, your trust in Jesus. But God also calls us to live and to, to spread his gospel, to live according to his mission. And he's going to have a reward for those that do it. There's so much more to this life than the time that we spend on this earth. Guys, and as a Christian, I have willingly laid down my own rights. I don't have, the, I don't have rights anymore. I've laid them down. Because Jesus says that I'm supposed to be living for you. 
that my life, my, my rights, my personal preferences, my, the things that I care about, they have to be put on the back burner because I have to care about what you care about more. I've got to care about you more. So I no longer live for me. I gave up my own personal plans, my own hopes, my own dreams. The moment that I recognized everything that Jesus had done for me. Because he gave up everything. I can lay down my rights because Jesus first laid down his. Let me tell you, if you've never heard this before, let me be the first to tell you, guys, you're gonna exist somewhere forever. Like, that's gonna happen. You're gonna exist somewhere. It's not like, hey, you make it to heaven, you live forever. If you don't, then you just stop existing. That's not the case. You're gonna exist forever. There is a heaven that, you get, that you'll get to go to if you put your faith and your trust in a God that wants everything for you. But there's also a place called hell. And I'm not here to scare you. I've seen a lot of people scared into heaven in my day and 99% of them don't stick. They don't stick with this. I'm not here to scare you. I'm just here to bring the facts that hell is a real place too. But the good news is this, that God gives us a choice. He's not picking and choosing some people for heaven and some people for hell. He's putting the choice in your hands. And the only people that are gonna be in hell, hell wasn't even created for, for humans. It was created for Satan. It's created for demons to exist in in eternity. It wasn't created for you. But the only people that are going to exist there, they're going to live there, are the people that have, that have that chosen to turn their backs on the free gift that God's offering them. And they have to spend their life, their eternity, separated from any semblance of good. But you have a choice. And this is your ticket. It's a relationship with Jesus. If our sights are set on eternity, our sights have to be set on the one that gave us the key to enter in. Jesus laid his life down. The Son of God came to earth and was murdered on your behalf, hung on a cross, brutally beaten, tortured, all so that you and I could have life, could have peace, could have hope. And all he asks is for us to believe in him, for us to have faith. He's, he, he has done and is gonna do what he said he's gonna do. Listen, God's not mad at you. God loves you. He has a purpose for you. He wants a relationship with you. But heaven requires a relationship with Jesus. Psalm chapter 23, verse 6. David writes this. He said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. What follows you when you leave a room? Is it goodness and mercy? Or is it chaos and calamity? Do you add value to people or are they relieved when you walk away? 
What do you want to follow you once you've passed from this life? What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Our legacy as a church and as a people is completely found in how we've stewarded God's mission and loved the people around us. A church that lasts is one that leaves an eternal legacy behind. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.